Welcome to the PriceBlow podcast powered by pre-workouts. PriceBlow is an online tech and media company that provides nutrition industry news, reviews, and interviews with a heavy emphasis on supplementation and sports nutrition. Our system provides supplement deals and price alerts, but in this podcast, we'll explore all things related to performance optimization, industry happenings, and far more. Thanks for joining us and welcome to PriceBlow. What's up, Priceline Nation? Mike here again. So in the summer of 2018, we got a chance to interview the legendary Branch Warren, who was just in the process of launching his Wicked Cuts beef jerky brand. This interview is going to be a little bit different because it's actually given by Matt, who is working part-time for us as he was working on his law degree, which he has since gotten. So this interview is really, really a good one because Branch gets into his history before getting into the whole Wicked Cuts beef jerky stuff, and he's got some really good stories, a lot of motivation, and a lot of great tips. So it was incredible to hear from Branch, and it was an honor to have on the podcast. So here he goes. Welcome to Price Plow. Branch, how you doing? I'm doing good, Matt. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, brother. Big time fan of yours, and it's funny how this happened. Um, so my coach, who's prepping me for the heart of Texas right now, Jorares, said that he was pals with you. And in, in passing, I thought to myself, well, maybe they had worked out together or something of that nature. But I think it was later on that evening, he texted me your number and said, yeah, text Branch. Let's see if we can get him on the show to talk about uh, talk about what he's doing. So, man, that was a week ago, and, and here we are. Yeah, Drew is a good friend of mine. I met him almost uh, almost 25 years ago, I think I met him. And uh, he was literally, like, fresh off the boat. You know, he's uh, he's from Israel. And um, – Pretty uh, incredible success story. I think he came over here with seven hundred dollars in his pocket, and now he's a uh, he's a pilot for Southwest and flies jet aircraft, and uh, has done very well for himself. So, you know, I think he was a bodybuilder. That's the original reason he came here, and to pursue his bodybuilding career. And uh, I mean, he came into the gym one day and said, "Hey, I'm gonna be a pilot. I'm gonna fly jets for Southwest." And we all kind of laughed. We're like, "Yeah, shut up, man. Do your set." <laughs> so, uh, you know, what? he went and rode in flight flight school the next week, and uh, he made it happen, man. So been very good friends with him and uh, for a long time and him and his uh, beautiful wife and daughter. Yeah, well, I'm glad he was able to put us in contact with each other. Um, obviously, you're a household name for bodybuilding, especially over the past 20 years. I mean, I think when people think of bodybuilding, Branch Warren's one of the names that comes to their mind, um, especially as Texas guys. You sort of epitomize Texas bodybuilding to us. And so, man, just having you here, it's an honor. But uh but Branch, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your upbringing? And the reason I ask this is because oftentimes with success stories, uh, we find that maybe a person's parents or the way that they were brought up ultimately influenced how successful they were in the future. And I'm curious to see if that applies to you. I think that's 100% true. You know, I think uh, your upbringing and your parents, your childhood has a huge determining factor on the person you become when you grow up. Um, and I think it's not necessarily whether you had a good childhood or a bad childhood. It's how that, that child deals with that as they become an adult. And, um, you know, cause if you come from an abusive family, then, um, uh, you can either grow up and become just like that, or you can grow up and be like, you know what, I'm not going to live my life and treat my life, my, my family like that, you know, as an example. So, um, I think, um, I grew up in a West Texas, small town, you know, we had a couple of stoplights in the town. Um, you know, our closest neighbor was several miles away. I grew up on a large, uh, large cattle ranch. And, um, you know, from the time I was very young, you know, just working and doing chores was just part of it. You know, it's just 
I didn't know any better. He thought everybody grew up like that. And, um, you know, um, I went to a very small school. I think the, the two best looking girls in my school were my cousins. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> you know, but that was just the way it was, man. So there wasn't a whole lot to do, man. As you got older, you know, I think, uh, for fun, the only thing you did was you drink, you drink beer and you went hunting. And, uh, that's about all there was to do out there. So, uh, and of course, you know, you worked, man, we had horses and we raised cattle and, you know, farmed and all that. So, uh, and I learned at a very young age that, uh, hard work was just a way of life. And, um, when I was in high school, we moved to the Dallas Fort Worth area and, um, went to a much larger school. I think there was like 600 kids in my, just in my class. So, um, you know, I, I love to play football. Um, I wasn't stupid. You know, I knew, Hey, going to this school, but we, I came from a school. We barely had enough guys to have a team to us. Uh, you, you had to make the team. Did y'all play six men at the West Texas school? No, we, we had enough for a regular, you know, 11 man team, but, uh, you know, you were, I played the whole game, you know, most of us, we didn't have too many substitutes. So, uh, you know, I played, uh, I was a fullback and, uh, on offense and uh, I was a linebacker on, uh, on defense. And I think, uh, I was on kickoff and receiving. So, Man, I played the, almost the whole game, so uh, that's just the way it was, man. So, uh, you know, you came, I came here, and I was like, hey, I got to get bigger and get stronger if I'm going to have a chance of making this team. So uh, I didn't have enough money for membership. You know, back then, membership was probably, you know, $15, $18 a month or something, but, uh, you know, I didn't have any money. And uh, so I met this kid in the neighborhood, and uh, he had a gym at this, had a membership at this local gym. So he would go, go in, open the back door up, let me slip in. So, um, just went on all summer. So I went in, I, I went there so much that, uh, you know, finally one day I just walked in the front with him and they just waved me in and I walked in, I was like, cool. So, um, in the process of that, I, um, uh, I met a bodybuilder. I never seen a, never seen a bodybuilder before. I seen a magazine or two, you know, but I hadn't, uh, never actually met a bodybuilder. And this guy was, you know, 280, 290 pounds and national level competitor. And I didn't know a guy could look like that. And of course he was the biggest, strongest guy we'd ever met. And, uh, me and my friend and he, uh, he came up to me one day and he said, Hey kid, he goes, well, I don't, uh, why don't you let me show you how to work out right. He goes, I'm watching you. You don't know what you're doing. And we didn't, I mean, we came in, our goal was to like do every exercise in the gym. So every body part, every machine, every free weight exercise that we could do. And we weren't doing them right. We're just, you know, a couple, you know, 15 year old kids in there messing around. And we think we're, we're you know, we think we're doing it right, but we don't have a clue. And, uh, I was like, all right, I'll come in tomorrow. And my buddy's <laughs> like, man, you're going to do it. I'm like, yeah, he goes, dude, you're going to die. I go, whatever. I said, I'm going to get big and buff. I'm going to kick your ass and take your girlfriend. And uh, so uh, he didn't come. I, I went. And um, he was right. I died. I think I threw up three times during the workout. We did legs. That was my initiation into to bodybuilding, even though I didn't realize it was uh, going to turn into that. But, uh, yeah, he, he annihilated me, man. But I, I wouldn't quit. You know, I, I, I go throw up, come right back and finish my set. And uh, the next day it was a repeat of the first day. And I did that all week. And uh, the next week was the same thing. I just kept coming back. And he said, all right, kid. He goes, come to me every couple of weeks. I'm going to wrap you and I'll write you up a new set of workouts. And uh, just stick to them. I did it all summer. Jeez. And uh, you know, I gained almost 20 pounds that summer just working out. You know, he just told me, hey, eat more food. He really wasn't even telling me what to eat. Just, you know, try to eat as much steak and chicken and eggs as you can. And, uh, I was like, all right. So I started doing that. Of course, you know, the more you work out, plus you're a teenage boy, you know, you, and you're working out hard like that, and your, your, appetite, your appetite increases exponentially. So my mother couldn't afford to feed me, so I went and got a job at a, at a car wash de detailing car so I could buy extra food and help out with bills and uh, made the football team, started. 
And then uh, fast right. forward to the next summer, you know, I kept working out. I didn't, you know, during football season, you can't work out like that. Um, so uh, when season was over, uh, I was back in the gym training. And uh, that summer, he said, hey, kid, he goes, you ever think about competing? You know, I'm 16 at this point. I was like, no, not really. And he said, why don't you come to this, this competition this weekend and check it out and see what you think? I said, all right. So I went to him with this show and I saw what the junior division was like. And I was like, man, I think I can do this if I train for it. And he goes, well, man, there's a, there's a contest in the summer. He goes, you got three months to train for it. He said, uh, he goes, you want to do it? I said, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and he said, all right, Monday I'm gonna, I'll pick you up and I'm going to take you to a real gym. I'm like, well, where the hell are we at right now? He goes, man, this ain't a real gym. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So... Uh, he picks me up Monday morning. We drive across town and uh, we pull up in front of this gym. It's got warehouse doors on it. The music's so loud you can you can hear it out in the parking lot. And uh, I'll never forget, man. There's these two hot chicks in bikinis squatting in the parking lot. And uh, <laughs> I look inside and I walk in. And there's like there's more big dudes than I've ever seen in my life walking around. And I remember thinking to myself, I just made it to the promised land. And uh, <laughs> so uh, he said uh, he introduced me to this guy, uh, owner of the gym. And he said, Hey, this is this kid I've been telling you about? He wants to do this competition at the end of the summer. And uh, so this guy's name was Brian Dobson. And um, he owned Metroflex Gym. He, uh, he said, let me look at you. And um, he looked at me. And I said, hey, man, I said, you know, I want to do this show. I said, I, I don't have any money. I can't really afford to buy a membership. I said, but, you know, I hope you, I'll take the trash out, you know, clean the place up for you. Uh, trade out, you know, for a membership so I can, you know, train here for this, this competition at the end of the summer. And uh, he looked at me. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, if you represent the gym and you win, you don't got to buy a membership. He goes, if you don't win, then you can work it off. 26 years ago, and I still haven't bought a membership. <laughs> well, and we're talking about the same Brian. I mean, he I went to Metroflex for the first time with my brother uh, two weeks ago. I had gone to Destination Dallas a few weeks before that, and I realized, okay, I need to stop working out at 24-hour fitness if I really want to push myself yeah. uh, to be the best. And... Went to Metroflex, you know, got to see, got to see Ronnie there. And for me, as a kid, that's seeing all your favorite athletes at one time. It's a big deal, right? And yep. I mean, the bodybuilding world is small compared to other sports, but it doesn't matter. These are still the guys that you idolize um, whenever you go into the gym and whenever you're thinking about the physique that you want to develop. But would you say that at that age, whenever you competed at that show? that you knew that you had a good physique for bodybuilding? Um, I did not. I, um, you know, I was very fortunate to the other part of that story. So my very first competition I trained for, Brian Dobson, you know, trained us, uh, me, this guy, Mark, and this guy, Mark, his workout partner was none other than Ronnie Coleman. And uh, so, you know, Ronnie wasn't pro yet, but he was still very much on his way to being becoming the legend that he became. And uh, so I was very fortunate, you know, I, I, I couldn't have been in a better gym around a better group of guys than, than I was. And uh, I didn't realize until later on in life that how fortunate I was to end up where I, where I did at that specific time in, in history. And, um, you know, these guys, they let me train with them because I worked my ass off. You know, I never complained. I didn't, uh, I, didn't I, didn't, I learned real long, you don't ask questions. You just do, you do what you're told, you do what they do and give 100%. And whatever, no matter how bad it hurts, don't ever, ever, ever quit. Because if you quit, you ain't welcome to come back. And, um, you know, I, I just, that was pretty much how I was raised on the on the ranch. So, uh, you know, it wasn't nothing new to me. And um, so 
I just worked my ass off, and I'm like, it, it works for them, it'll work for me. And, um, you know, whatever, I, I, they said, hey, do this, do it 10 times, I do it 10 times. They do it, you can't do it no more, I do it so I can do no more. And, um, you know, slowly but surely, I got stronger and bigger and stronger and bigger. And, you know, after taking a whole bunch of ass opens, I eventually got to the point where I started handing some out. It's funny that you talk about that ranch work ethic. Um, I grew up on a ranch over in Weatherford. I'm sure you know where that is. Mm -hmm. And that was similar story to you that that's what life was you know on the weekends you were working and if you weren't in school and if you weren't doing uh, sports you, you were doing something on the ranch because there's always something that needs to be done and yes. it installs a work ethic in you that you didn't know that you could have at what point do you think that you realize that okay i have a shot to be a pretty good bodybuilder i know exactly that point was i was 18 years old i went to the uh npc Teenage National Collegiate Championships, and um, I won. I won the heavy. I won the heavyweights, and I won the overall title. And um, you know, Jay Cutler's actually won the heavyweights, and uh, Caprice Murray, I think, won the uh, middleweights. Another guy, Rodney St. Cloud, and I think Jeff Willett were all in the show. We all initially became IPB pros, and of course, Jay went on to become four-time Mr. Olympia. Um, but I won the overall, and I remember I came back, and um, I was in my car driving to Metroflex on Monday. Flew back on Sunday after the show, and I'm I'm driving to Metroflex on a, on a Monday, and uh, I told myself, I mean, I can do this, you know, because at the time I was the first person from Metroflex to win a national level competition, and uh, Ronnie hadn't quite. Uh, I think later that year he he won the world championships and turned pro and went on started his uh his career, but uh, at the time I was the first one to win a national level competition, and uh, you know it's kind of a I came to the gym and I was like, I can do this. And uh, so, man, when I was 18, I mapped out my entire career. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, how I was going to do it. And uh, I had long-term goals and I had short-term goals. And I knew right then, hey, I can do this. I can make a career out of it. And this is what I want to do. And uh, I stuck to the plan. And competing for as long as you did and reaching the levels of success that you reached probably doesn't come without some sacrifices along the way. Um, I know that you had some decent injuries throughout your career um you want to dive into those a little bit and tell us how you overcame them yeah you know bodybuilding is a it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle more than it is a sport because uh, i have a very good friend who played nfl for eight years and uh had a great career you know four years of college and went on the nfl and had a great career and you know he, he got out he retired and he wanted to bodybuild and i remember he's doing his first competition and he's like dude this is like you can't get away from this crap man he goes it's all day every day and i'm like no it's it's a, it's a lifestyle because you know when he played ball yeah you know the practices were tough the games the games were brutal but they were fun you know that's what they, they, he lived for and he goes but you know when you got to practice you could drink a beer eat a pizza you, could, you know chill do whatever you know when season's over you could chill for several right. months i don't forget to get back here um he said, this is never, it's like you're under the gun 24-7. He goes, the freaking diet, man, just kicks your ass. And he goes, in your training every day, you're doing cardio, you've got posing practice, you got this, you got that. And um, I'm like, yeah. And he goes, it's all-encompassing. And um, it's just a, it's, a, it's a marathon, you know, it's not a sprint. So, um, so yeah, so you make a lot of sacrifices. I made a lot of sacrifices from, um, you know, my teen years all the way through my entire career up until a couple years ago. Uh, you know, you, a lot of things you sacrifice, man. Uh, you know, most of, uh, to be a top level pro bodybuilder, 
you're going to, if you're not, you're going to become a self-centered, selfish person because it's all about you, you, you. It's about your eating, your training. It's you, you, you all day, you know? And that takes a toll on your loved ones. It takes a toll on your, on your spouse, on your family, because if they want to go out to a restaurant and you're stuck. It does. Either not eating or ordering a salad with grilled chicken and, and no dressing. That that's yeah, just I mean, what you. It's just like do. you know, example me and my wife. You know, like it would be Christmas parties or something going on, and you know the Arnold Classic was the last week of February or the first week of March. So I'm already you know into my, my prep for the Arnold. The last thing you want to do is go to some stupid Christmas party where people are drinking, eating stupid food, and all that, and uh, stay out late. So um, you know, and you know she competed too, so she understood. You know, she was pro. She was pro fitness, and. Um, but still, it was uh, it ain't always sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. Uh, it's uh, you sacrifice a lot, and you know the Trish always put me first. Um, and I think for the simple reason of just financial. Um, you know, it ain't fair, but it's a fact of life that men in sports make more money than women in sports do. There's a real big uh, disparity in pay and compensation, um, and so if one of us had to do better you know, be focused on, and it was always going to be me because, you know, there was no comparison as far as the financial benefit, and uh, so she put me first, and, um, you know, I uh, I took a lot, and uh, because, you know, for me to be my best, I had to be focused, 100% focused, and that's, you know, this sport, it's all about you, you know, it's your body and how you look, and uh, so you got to get your food in, you got to get your rest in, you got to train, you got to do cardio, you got to tan, you know, you practice your posing. I mean, it's just a, it's an all day, every day thing. And, um, it's, uh, you sacrifice a lot, man. So especially when you get married and then, uh, then you start having kids, it's, uh, it becomes very challenging. Yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, we, my wife and I, we don't even have a kid yet, but it's already challenging as we're prepping because, uh, this will be my first show. And so she's getting to experience firsthand the, uh, I guess the lifestyle that, that accompanies the prep, but. If, she, if y'all can survive this, you're good. You ain't got to I hope so. So, what was your greatest memory from your competition days? Uh, that's a tough one. I don't know. I'll say I'll give you two answers to that. I think they're both equally important to me. Um, the first was uh, in 2001 when I won the national championship and I turned pro because, you know, when I was 18 years old, I decided, you know, hey, this is what I want to do. And obviously, the centerpiece of that is you got to win the turn pro. And uh, back then it was very difficult. You know, uh, I think they gave out five pro cards at the nationals, the weight class winners and uh, the USA championships. It was one winner, one, the overall winner. That was the only way you could turn pro as a bodybuilder in the United States. So, uh, you know, I won that and, uh, got my pro card. And that was, that was huge because it separated me from everybody else. And, uh, back then there wasn't a bazillion pros, you know, when you got a pro card, it was, you were one of, very few and it was hard to turn pro so by the time you turn pro you were you were a pro bodybuilder you could just, just step on a pro right. stage and, and nowadays they hand out those pro cards yeah. like candy almost yeah so that's you don't see i mean look at the top six guys they've been there forever you know uh with the exception of maybe william bonac got into it you know recently he's really improved but he's been around for a long time but he's been improving and making good gains but it's you know you get guys that i mean look at my my generation we all lasted in, we were in the top six until we were in our forties. There was no young blood coming up. And, um, and there's a number of reasons for that, but, um, I'll touch on that later, but you know, um, it was super hard. And so, but the time you did turn pro though, you were, you were ready to be successful. You know, I won my, my third and fourth pro shows. I won. So, um, 
and you just don't see a whole lot of that these days. But uh, so uh, yeah, that was a huge accomplishment, and uh, that, that I'll never forget that night, and because uh, it separates you from everybody else. And then it, at that at that moment, I realized, all right, I can action actually my dream. I can actually start living my dream. And uh, so after I won the nationals, that's how I would say, you know, that's when my dream came true, and I started living it. So that was huge. And then I would say the second uh, biggest moment was um, probably winning the uh, the Arnold Classic in 2012. Was, uh, I'd won it the year before, and I'd just come back from a devastating uh, the 2011 Olympia I was training for, and I, uh, I tore my quad off the bone walking out of a restaurant. Imagine that. And uh, So I had, had to have surgery, have it reattached, and um, I had six and a half months to recover from this thing and, and get ready for the Arnold. And usually that ends your career. Mm-hmm. Um, no one had ever come back successfully from that type of injury. So, um, you know, all the critics and the self-proclaimed experts were seeing my, my demise, and uh, I was sitting on the couch. I had surgery on a Monday, so this is Wednesday, uh, two days post-surgery. And I looked at my wife, and I said, hey, I'm going to do the Arnold Classic, and I'm going to win this thing again. And she looked at me, and she goes, you think you can do it? I go, yeah. And she said, all right. I remember she went in the kitchen. She started cooking cooking food. She handed me a plate of chicken and rice. She goes, you're going to do the Arnold. You better start eating. And uh, so that's uh, that's where it began. The next Monday, I, I, one week post-surgery, I went back to the gym. And uh, I came hobbling in the gym on crutches. And I remember Johnny Jackson, my workout partner, he goes, man, what the hell are you doing, bro? I said, I'm getting ready for the Arnold Classic. And he just looked at me and goes, man, fuck it. Let's do it. And uh, we started training for it, man. So it was, uh, I had to learn how to walk. You know, I'm talking about winning the Arnold Classic in six months. And I can't even walk, you know. So I had to learn how to walk again. And then, you know, get to I could bend my, bend my knee all the way. And then, then start training. So, um you know what's crazy is I look at your pictures from that Arnold, and your legs look phenomenal. I I don't think that many people had they not had you not said that you had actually tore your quad, that many people would know that you ever even had an injury. Yeah, I didn't. Um, you know, I, it took a lot out of me. That's the most painful thing I've ever had to do in my life uh, physically. Uh, you know, mentally it's it's hard because you're looking at your physique and you're just like, God dang it, man. You know, because your leg. You know, I lost several inches on my leg, and. Uh, you're in a race against time trying to get it back and no one had ever done that before. And, um, so it was, um, mentally and physically, it was the hardest thing I'd ever had to do. And, um, I was, it wasn't until I was 30 days out from the show that I, I remember I trained and, uh, I posed there at Metroflex and I was like, I looked at myself and I was like, I can do this. I can actually, I, can, I think I can do this and, and, uh, and win. And, uh, and from there on, it just got better and better. I was able to, going to put my title on win another one. And I, it just, um, you know, sometimes in life, the worst things, things that happen to you actually turn to be blessings. And, uh, you know, I think looking back on it, it was a blessing. You know, it's one of those moments where you find out what you're really made of. You find out if you have, if you do have what it takes and it made me appreciate what I have. I don't think in life we really appreciate what we have until we lose it or we almost lose it, you know? And, um, definitely I watched my whole career flash before my eyes and, um, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to be done. You know, I was at the peak of my career. You know, I just won the Arnold Classic. I'd gotten second and third at the Olympia. The world was mine. Everything I worked for, it was finally right there before me. And I'm like, I'm not going to let this be taken away from me. I'm not going to let any event or anybody tell me when I'm done. I'm like, I'm going to be the one to tell me when I'm done. I'll make that decision. So able to, you know, for me, I had to win. You know, it was like, I told my wife, I'm like, she goes, what if you get second or third? I go, complete failure. I was like, I have to win this. There was no option. And that's how I trained. Unfortunately, that's how it turned out. Right. 
Well, and it adds to the legacy of Branch Warren. And I think sometimes we need those moments in life to, I don't want to say re-spark the fire, but sort of, I guess, move us to, to be hungrier, to push forward, to push harder. And you there in the thick of your career, you had just won that show that last year, which is the second biggest show in the world. And it would have been very easy for some bodybuilders to pump the brakes and be content. But I think that showed your mettle and resolve just to go through, to prep anyway, win the show again. And it's just, again, it just adds to your, to your already impressive legacy. So, Branch, you seem to be pretty busy these days. I know that you, you're, you're doing or promoting four different shows in the United yes. States, right? I had, we just had the Branch Warren Classic in Houston, what was it, one or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, yeah. Right. But not only that, you've got Black Skull. Um, you're doing stuff with Gasp still and now Wicked Cuts. But can you tell the fans how you're spending your time these days and how you're enjoying, uh, well, I don't want to call it retirement, but uh, let's call it post competitive bodybuilding yeah i retired and got busier than ever um <laughs> i go figure that but uh no it's um i don't have how am i spending my time uh working that's how i'm spending my time i have less free time now than i've ever had um you know we've got four or four sports expos and competitions we promote uh the big one is in houston and we just had that june 30th um you know we had over two thousand athletes in the show uh you know 10 different events uh, of course, NPC shows the centerpiece, and then we have a, a jiu-jitsu tournament, a CrossFit tournament, a CrossFit-style tournament. Uh, we have powerlifting, we have strongman, we have professional bench press, we have arm wrestling. Um, the list goes on and on. And, um, of course, we have an expo. We had over 100 exhibitors there and booths set up. Wow. So uh, it was a very successful, very successful weekend. I think that was our 12th year to have it, and uh, it's grown every year. So... And I have one in Minneapolis. Uh, we had that back in just the first weekend of June, second week of June 9th, June 7th, I think, whatever it was. Um, in Minneapolis, uh, it was our second year. It tripled in size for this year, so we were very happy with that. It's not where we want it to be, but it's definitely in the right direction. And then September 22nd, I've got Chicago. Me and my partner, Mel Chancey, are putting on a competition there. So getting a great response for a first-year show. And then uh, October 27th, I've got the Texas Legends show in Dallas. So it's just uh, basically a carbon copy of Houston. So, And if that isn't enough, then I have uh, my own supplement line, Black Skull. Uh, we're in 13 countries, uh, South America, Europe, Middle East. And uh, we should be launching here in the States. Uh, we're going to actually be debuting at the Olympia in September. So in Vegas. So um, got a full line pre-workout. It's going to be awesome. Got a protein supplement, a, a pump product, uh, BCAAs, so be a complete uh, hardcore bodybuilding line. And of course, I've been with Gasp now for probably 11 years, maybe, and uh, got my own clothing line through Gasp, so they're uh, it's doing very well. So I've been very, very thankful that Michael's kept me around this long. So it's been a great relationship. I just actually got back from Sweden the month before last. Uh, I was there for about 10, eight, 10 days doing a little tour in Stockholm and visiting the mm -hmm. international headquarters and had a great time. And then um, my latest project is uh, Wicked Cuts. So I own Wicked Cuts, uh, me and my partner, Scott James. Scott James used to own BSN. He was the founder of BSN back in the day. And uh, so we uh, we partnered up to do this. I wanted uh, it was his idea as far as the jerky. And I thought about it. And I was like, you know what, that, that might be a winner. Because, you know, with sports nutrition, you're, it's such a small segment of the population that you're marketing towards is a niche. 
uh, with beef jerky, turkey jerky, pork, all this stuff. Who doesn't like jerky? You know, uh, so I, the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. So now we put it together and we launched two months ago and uh, going direct to consumer, direct to business. And uh, it's going very well. It's, uh, it's a new challenge for me, uh, learning lots of new uh, new stuff I had to immerse myself into. But, uh, you know, you know, you know me, I like a challenge. And uh, so I'm very excited and I spend uh, come to the office every day. And I'm sure if you watch my Instagram stories, I'm always doing little stories here at the warehouse or at the office. So it's uh, keeping me very busy. Yeah, and, and you guys were kind enough to send us some uh, some samples a couple of weeks back of Wicked Cuts. And yeah. what I noticed is that there there's a lot of beef jerkies on the market, and the majority of them are loaded with the added fats, carbs in the form of sugars, and tons of extra calories that, let's just say, most bodybuilders or people aspiring to, I guess, eat cleaner probably shouldn't be eating. And the first thing that stood out to me with Wicked Cuts is that the label was so clean. Because we're talking about, I think it's nine grams of protein, maybe one gram of carbs, no fats for a single serving. And when you look at a, a label like that, you think, well, if it's got a good label, the product probably tastes crappy. That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. It's actually pretty freaking good. So not only does it pass the label test, it tastes phenomenal. And tell me how you did it. I mean, isn't this a, a, an old Warren family recipe? Yeah, it's, uh, well, the, the pepper, the original pepper is, uh, I had a hand in that. Um, I had a hand in all of them, but, um, that was one, you know, kind of, you know, growing up, you know, my parents and father, grandfather, they all, you know, made jerk. That was something that, uh, Harry had a, had a leg up on. And then, uh, we just developed these other flavors. So it took, uh, several months to get all these, uh, flavoring right and get the texture and everything right. You know, I don't, I don't particularly like to really dry it out jerky to where you have to like rip it, you know, pieces off of it and you know every time you eat the bag your jaws are hurting from chewing it up so um, i wanted something more moist i think some of those years of dotty and eating dry chicken and rice i just don't want to eat my food anymore but um you know my number one goal was it had to taste right you know because it doesn't taste right he's going to eat something that doesn't taste good so i wanted it to be very original and uh you know it tastes very well i want it to be tender and moist and uh then the third thing i want to be healthy you know coming from my background <clears throat> i didn't want a ton of sodium you know a bunch of sugar and carbs and stuff in it i think we achieved all, all areas hit our goal yeah you hit it for sure so for me the test is i can like something but my wife she's not uh she works out but she's not big into the the fitness regime like like some of us so whenever i give her a product to test out i know that it's good if she likes it <laughs> and i think she stole three of my bags to take to work with her so you got a fan in her which tells me that you're doing something right. So kudos there. But it's not only just beef jerky. You've got turkey, uh, bacon, and the flavors are phenomenal too. I'm a spicy guy, so the fact that you have a jalapeno one is, I love that, and the sriracha one too. But, I mean, I've never, I haven't seen flavors like this for most common beef jerkies. So it seems like you got a pretty good lineup, and it's going to give people a, a great variety to choose from, whether or not they want something smoky something sweet something something spicy or something of that nature but well, that's it you know we want to stand out i want the flavors to be really good and i want it to stand out you know that's uh it's hard to do in a, in a market like that because it's so saturated with so many different jerky companies but uh i want it to be you know something that really stood out and uh, from the packaging all the way to most importantly the flavoring and 
and uh, the texturing. So we've got, we just had a meeting this morning. We've got some other original innovative products coming out. Um, so hopefully in the next three months, we'll have those, start rolling those out for the holiday seasons. And uh, got some really cool stuff. I, mean, I can't tell you what it is yet, but uh, some pretty innovative stuff we're doing. And uh, it's going to be good. Well, I was going to ask, but since you said you can't tell me, I won't. <laughs> but so here's the thing, too. You know that nowadays, every week there seems to be a new protein bar or a cookie or a protein brownie, some sort of marketed functional food for fitness-minded individuals. And they keep flooding through the sports nutrition and functional foods market. But one of the things that I love about Wicked Cuts is that you've created a cleaner functional food that, that's not just for bodybuilders or health-minded individuals, but this markets and appeals to everyday people who simply want a snack that tastes good. Yeah. As competitors, we know that whole food beats out any type of protein bar supplements, but Wicked Cuts is actually a whole food because it's essentially protein in its rawest form and, and it's dried out mm -hmm. meat. So it offers the convenience of a protein bar or a grab-and-go food. Tastes great, it's real food. So my question for you is, did you recognize this issue in the industry and did that somewhat help inspire you to bring a better functional food to the market? I think it's a combination of things. Um, you know, coming from my background and the bodybuilding background, I wanted something that, okay, if I was still competing and I still eat, I still, I'm still a bodybuilder, man. I still train, I still eat the same way, um, all that. So uh, I want something, okay, number one, I want something I could use and eat myself and stay in shape. And, oh, you know, I want it to be a functional food but I wanted to appeal not just to the fitness community. I wanted to appeal to you know, hunters, fishermen, uh, truck drivers, you know, anybody who uh, maybe, you know, it's people that aren't all that health conscious, but they just want a good, you know, a great tasting jerky. And by the way, it absolutely be good for you too. And I think we hit it on the mark. I think uh, it was, I had a lot of, uh, a lot of criteria I wanted to meet. I think we hit it on the mark, you know, so it, it'll appeal to, yeah, if you're, if you're an athlete, you're health minded or health conscious, it's a perfect fit, you know. If you're just uh, on a road trip and you're hungry, it'll kill your craving and give you some uh, good quality protein. It's just a great grab-and-go snack too. I mean, that's the problem with some of the bars nowadays. Is if let's say that you're on the road or for whatever reason you don't have a meal prepared with you or you can't find a replacement. Well, if you go to a gas station, I mean, you can grab a protein bar, but you know you're going to be looking at an extra 10 grams of fat, maybe 30, 40 grams of carbs, when really that, you don't want that. You just kind of need something to tide you over. And this is definitely a great option for people. And, and Wicked Cuts is off to a phenomenal start. And I can genuinely say that it tastes better than so many other jerkies on the market. And we're going to review it on our video channel here pretty soon. So we'll have a video up on YouTube for everyone to take a look at it and see our live taste test for each flavor. And for everyone listening, I highly recommend that you give Wicked Cuts a try. On the website, you can grab a variety sample pack, which gives you a few different options to try out, like we just talked about a little bit ago. So, Branch, other than the reasons that you just talked about a moment ago, why should people choose Wicked Cuts over, over other beef jerkies? I think one bite and you'll agree it's the best jerky out there. It's, uh, I mean, I know that sounds a little cocky, but it's true. I've, um, you know, I have a approach anybody who didn't uh, who tried it and didn't like it so um, I think um, it is healthy the flavoring is out of this world whether you like a uh, you know, spicy or peppered or 
you know, Korean barbecue or maple, whatever it is, sweet. Uh, we've got a flavor that'll get to you like. You can try it out. If you don't believe me, try it out. Go to wikicuts.co, order some today. Yep, and it definitely gets the price plow stamp of approval. You listeners, you know that we don't give that out to everything, just the stuff that we genuinely think is good. Branch, one question for you here um, before we get close to wrapping up. Uh, anytime we have a guest on, I just like to ask maybe for a parting thought of wisdom, if you will. And someone like Branch Warren doesn't reach the levels of success that you have by accident or by luck. Uh, you epitomize the vision of hard work. And I think anyone has seen you train uh, in person or on YouTube or heck, even on Generation Iron knows that you work your butt off to be the best. Uh, if you can offer any words of advice to competitors or other entrepreneurs in this day and age, what would be some parting words of wisdom you can give our listeners? Man, be consistent. You know, for competitors, um, you know, be consistent. Ha have a clear vision of where you want to go, what you're trying to achieve. And then uh, be consistent with your training and be consistent with your nutrition, especially for competitors. You know, uh, you, can't, uh, you can't miss workouts. you got to stick to it. It's a marathon. And nutrition is probably 70% of, uh, of the equation, maybe even more. And that's the hard part is doing that, that nutrition plan every day, day in and day out, year after year. I think that's the, the biggest thing I see is I see a lot of great physiques out there, potentially great physiques, and they don't have the, the discipline to stay consistent with their training and their nutrition. There's no individual sports. People think, oh, a bodybuilder's individual sport. No, it's not. It's just like a NASCAR. NASCAR, you got the, the driver who drives the car, he crosses the finish line, wins a race, he gets all the fame and accolades and all that. But without that pit crew, dude, he ain't never even making it to the race. And uh, you know, bodybuilders the same way, man. So you know, you gotta have some family, wife, spouse, friends, trainers, whatever the case may be, to uh, on your team have a solid, uh, solid team behind you so that you can go out there and you can be your best. Absolutely. That's the, that's the best advice I can give you. Well, listeners, go check out Wicked Cuts Jerky on Instagram. That's Wicked Cuts with a Z, Jerky. Uh, follow them on Facebook. And Branch, if people want to follow you, learn more about you, or get any more information about you, where should they go to do that? They go to The Branch Warrant on Instagram and Facebook. And, um, uh, Got all kinds of uh, see what I'm kind of crazy stuff I'm up to and doing, and uh, you go to my uh, webpage www.thebranchone.com, and uh, I've always got some latest greatest updates. What's going on? Got an online store. My full line of Gaspa clothing is also on there, as well as links to all my sports expos and also to of course Wicked Cuts and Black Skull. Perfect. Well, Branch, thanks for your time. We're excited to get this video review up for Wicked Cuts so we can show everybody what the product looks like and how how we like it. I think you and I are scheduled to train tomorrow afternoon, and you're going to show me how um, how a champion trains. But uh, what what muscle group are we going to hit? Ah, uh, what's We're doing back, I believe. Oh, that's perfect. I'm sure you're going to try to kill me, but I'm looking forward to the challenge anyway. Uh, my dad used to tell me, similar to what we were talking about earlier, if you want to be a millionaire, then you should spend time with millionaires. And I think to develop the best physique possible. You likewise need to spend time with a champion such as yourself to figure out, you know, best practices and learn what the mentality is and what it takes to be a champion. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, that's very true, man. Uh, the most successful man I've ever known, he gave me the same advice when I was a young man. He said, if uh, you want to be a champion bodybuilder, you need to so associate with champions. And he said, if you want to be successful in business, you need to associate with successful businessmen. 
and whatever it is you choose to do in life. And uh, he said, if there's something in life you love to do and you can figure out how to make a living doing it, then you never work. And he was very much 100% on the mark with, with his advice. Amen to that, brother. All right, Price Plow, don't forget to subscribe to Branch and Wicked Cuts on Instagram, Facebook, and whatever other social media platform ex- exists these days. Check out his website, too. Branch, it's been an honor talking with you. Hopefully, we can get you back on here again in the future, especially once Wicked Cuts launches some uh, some new products. Matt, I look forward to it, and I'll see you tomorrow at uh, Metroflex. All right, brother. That sounds good. Welcome to Price Plow. <laughs>